Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now and to open our hearts. Father, and as much as we can open them, Lord, you can open them further. And we ask for that this morning, God. Would you open to us? Would you reveal your heart to us this morning, Jesus? Come, Holy Spirit. We sure need you in this day, in this hour, at this time in our lives. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? All right. Well, here we are in uh, part three of our series called Roots, which really comes down to this, that we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Uh, it is the church. And as such, Jesus has delegated authority in it, to it, and through it, through each of us, through myself, through you as well. And we are to walk in that authority in this world delegated authority. It's not my own authority, it's not your own authority, but it's his authority that we walk in. And uh, the title of today's message is Planted. It's Planted, which um, I was tempted to go with the hockey analogy, um, because from, or a football analogy, because from time to time with a big hit, you'll hear that as, a, as kind of a dig. You got planted, that's picked up and shoved down into the dirt, stomped in. Uh, but that's really not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the fact that uh, in the local church is a place for you to be planted. And in the body of Christ is a place for you to be planted. As a living stone being built into this spiritual house that Jesus is building, there is a place that you are to be planted. And anything less than that is less than what God wants for your life, okay? So you'll hear us say that often. Um, and um, specifically, if you're familiar with our church, this is something you've heard over the years fairly consistently, I'm sure. Um, and even though COVID has impacted the common idea of what church looks like, church has not changed. The fact that you need to be planted in the local church still hasn't changed. God still wants to give us each a place. He wants to give each of us a people. He wants to give each of us a purpose and a provision. And all of those things are found in the local church the place where God wants you to be planted. So I'm going to give you three scriptures from the Old Testament this morning and a couple of verses from the New. I promised the powers that be, the administrative powers that be in our church, I would try to be shorter today uh, because I have been a little long. Uh, but, you know, the, like I, the, the Nigerians always will tell you the ministry of the word is important, Pastor. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go against that, but uh, if you can just stick with me, if you can catch, here's the thing, church, if I feel like you're catching it, I don't feel the need to repeat it, okay? If you sit there like silent stones in church and not living stones, I do feel the need to try and help you get it, and so if you say something like, Pastor, we got it, please move on, I will, I'll move on, uh, or you could just say something positive and uh, positively coercive, like, yeah, we got it, amen, come on, Pastor. Lunch is waiting. All right. Anyways, loud congregations make for faster preachers. If you take nothing else away today, loud congregations make for faster preachers, okay? Uh, if you have your Bible, let's go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verse, verse 3 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to just share with you and kind of unpack the imagery that we see here as it pertains to being planted uh, in Scripture. Isaiah 61, verse 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the cloak of praise instead of a disheartened spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Okay, 
Let me just bring this into focus for you a little bit. What is the garland? Well, the garland is, this, is for celebration. Garland is what's used to uh, celebrate a victory. If you run a race in ancient times and you won the race, they gave you a garland for your head. Now uh, we put garlands on bread. No, that's garlic on bread. Uh, a garland, just a joke, I'm sorry, that didn't land very well. <laughs> wow, I thought, I thought that would go better for some of you. Uh, my bad, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it, it was just, it was weak. No, a garland, we, we used to celebrate things like uh, Christmas or, you know, uh, weddings, those kinds of things. It's a celebratory thing. And God is saying, I'm going to give you a garland instead of ashes. And in the Old Testament, ashes were put on your head when you were in mourning or in repentance, So God wants to give a garland instead of ashes. He wants to give you a celebration instead of sadness for repentance. Now, he also wants to give the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And what is the oil? Well, anytime you really see oil in Scripture, it is going to infer something about the anointing of God. Always. Oil is is so commonly used as a symbol. It's literally the symbol used to anoint kings and prophets. But anytime you read the word oil, I just, I want you to draw the parallel. Even when uh, Elijah or Elisha, it's slipping me right now, came to the widow and she was going to make her last loaf of bread and she had no oil. The miracle was for for the jar of oil to never run out of oil. And I want you to know that even though that was a literal miracle for a literal need, it speaks to the future of what Jesus was going to do. That Jesus would give us the oil that would never run out because it's oil of joy instead of something else that's for our mourning and for our sadness. The cloak of praise, it was Elijah. That's right. I was pretty sure it was Elijah, but you can't really fake it if the mic is good. Because if I could just throw Elijah like throw it really fast, then you wouldn't be able to say it was wrong either way. But I wanted, I wanted to try and make it right. Um, the cloak of praise is a garment of praise, all right? And, and when we see a garment, what do we know about Jesus? That he gives us clothes of righteousness. Last week we talked about this fact, that the good deeds are the clothing of righteousness for the bride of Christ, right? So same thing. The Old Testament is always foreshadowing the New Testament. And while these things might have literal application... Clothing has a literal application. And we appreciate clothing, don't we? Otherwise, church would be a bunch of naked people. That'd be awkward for all of us, I think. So they got the cloak of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. You know, I want, I want you to know this, that you can dress for success in the kingdom of God. Not by wearing a suit to church, but by understanding this, that even though your heart is down, even though you're not feeling well, even though you might be stressed out, anxious for the wrong things, you might be worried, concerned, beat down, downtrodden, depressed, you might even be suicidal, but I want you to know that Scripture says, for that heaviness, God is willing to clothe you with a garment of praise. Now that's really good for these times. Now here's what's amazing. This is what I love about this is that then you will be called oaks of righteousness, and righteousness is a good thing we all know, but what is an oak? See, oak is significant because we actually use, in North American culture, we use oak as a symbol for integrity. His word was as solid as oak. Have you ever ever heard that before? It's like we, we use it in high regard because we know that the oak is a true tree, a strong tree, a, a, a very stable kind of tree. And even for building, oak is, a, is one of the most stable woods you can build on. It's, a, it's an amazing tree. So we'll be called oaks of righteousness. Now listen to this because this is what it all hinges on. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. 
These are the two most important things about this scripture because everything that God wants to give us is so that we can be planted and because we are planted, all of these things follow after. You cannot have all of these things, in other words, I'm saying to you, if you are not planted in what God wants you to be planted in, you don't get to have a garland instead of ashes. If you're not planted where he wants you, you don't get oil of gladness. You don't get the cloak of praise. Those things do not exist outside of being planted where God wants you. And lots of times what we see is people want to plant themselves so that they may be glorified. And the blessing of God does not come on that because the blessing of God is not attracted to what glorifies men. The blessing of God is attracted to those things that glorify Him. You have to remember this. Adjust your whole worldview to the biblical worldview and remember this moving forward. You can't bless sin because God's blessing isn't attracted to our sin. The Hebrew word used here is mata, and it means the place or act of planting. Very intentional word. As in a vineyard, an orchard, or a garden. It's not a past tense word, but it's an active word. It's a here and now word that God does not just plant you and walk away, but he is continually planting you where he wants you. He is continually doing this planting work in your life. And I know that sometimes we get stuck on the imagery that we see in the Bible. And okay, well, God planted me, so here I stay, here I'll be. But God's not trying to plant you in a specific physical time and space. God is actually planting you in a place that serves eternal time and space. Now, this is very important for us to understand because when we think about the things of God from a temporal perspective only, we're going to miss out on the greater portion of what it is he's trying to say to us. I wish more of you were getting this. My mother's getting this. Now I feel the need to repeat it. See, it's happening right now. You, you have to understand when we say, God, Jesus wants to take you a living stone and build you into a spiritual house that does not make you static standing still. It makes you part of a living house that is moving, that is growing, that is doing the will of God. You need to understand biblical imagery. It is not earthly imagery. It is a biblical image referencing something earthly so you can begin to comprehend it. But the full comprehension of what God is saying comes by the Spirit of God, not by the reading of a revelation. That was way better than you're giving me credit for. And I can't even repeat it. You're going to have to go back and listen to it. Guys, it's the Spirit of God that brings life. It's the Spirit of God that makes the Word, the rhema, the living Word of God. And so we need to read this imagery with the understanding that the Holy Spirit is trying to put a finger on something in our life. And I don't care how Christian you are this morning. I don't care if you're my favorite person in the whole church, which is just shy of Pastor Amy. She is my absolute favorite. But Carlisle is the second best. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He, he, he. Even if you're Carlisle, God, by his spirit, wants to put a finger on something in your life that can be brought into course correction, into alignment with his word. Oh, I don't like being picked on. You're not being picked on. It's like driving down the road. You're not swerving and jerking. It's small adjustments that make the destination convenient. Makes it, make, makes, makes it so you're not wasting time and wasting fuel in life. 
If you're teaching a 14, 15, or 16-year-old to drive right now, can I get an amen? All right? Constant whiplash. Uh, all right. So God wants to plant for a specific person when he plants a specific person. Sorry, I say that right? God wants to plant a specific purpose when he plants a specific person. All right, let's go to the next one, Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That sounds great. We have an apple tree at our farm. The first two years we lived there, the apple tree was crazy. I was like, we have to buy pigs to feed all these apples to. But something happened to that tree as it's getting older, and it doesn't produce what it used to, and it's kind of a bummer. You know, if you're going to have a fruit tree, what do you want it to do? You want it to yield fruit, right? And, and other than that, all it does is scratch people up when our horses walk them through that apple tree. I know there's three or four people that could say amen to that, right? Yeah, a few, few of you have met the apple tree at our house, right? So listen, blessing, first of all, comes to those who trust and hope in the Lord. I'm just going to unpack this with you again. Blessing comes to those who trust and hope, whose trust and hope are in the Lord. We see an image of roots by the river, a tree planted by the river, which spreads out its roots by the river. I want you to understand this. It has healthy roots by a river, and it's not just any old river, by the way. We are going to get to this at the end of the message, but we're talking about God's trees planted by God's river. All right, so this is more than just a river. This is a river of life. And I want you to remember that a river runs a course. And those roots also run a course alongside the river. And this is what I want you to take away from that one little piece of imagery, is that yes, you need to grow where you're planted, and you need to put roots out where the Spirit of God is saying put roots out. Quit trying to put roots into other parts of a stream somewhere else. There's so many people in the church world today that are putting roots down into Victoria when they live in Grand Prairie. Why? I know people who are watching church online at home who are forsaking the assembly, the assembly of themselves together, and they're saying, I'm watching church down here, and I'm a part of, uh, what's his name's church? He's a great guy. Mark Clark down there. He's a great guy. I want to tell you something about these pastors. These pastors would kick you in the butt if they knew you were only watching their church and not involved in the local church. They all would. Because they're all local church people. They're local church-minded pastors. And they don't appreciate it, even though they might like the stats. And yeah, hey, we got 20,000 people watching online. That's not something we're going to say at Generations Church. But they would all kick your butt for not being plugged in to a local church. Wherever you're planted along the course of this river, put your roots in there. Stop. Stop. Stop trying to put your roots other places. The water here is fine. Come on in. There's some good things that happen when the tree is right beside a river and it's planted. I don't know if you've ever seen a forest fire go through a river valley, but it's a pretty rare thing. Why? Because it's wet. That's why. Trees that are planted by water, trees that have good roots, they don't fear. There's one translation that says they don't fear the fire. And its leaves stay green. It's an amazing thing about making sure your roots are in the water. And you can only do so much to help roots grow. Have you ever planted anything or transplanted anything? 
right? We can only do so much for that plant. And we as plants, we can only do so much. We can only kind of let our roots go. And somehow roots are amazing. They know how to find water and minerals and, and they grow to the right place. Even there's a study done in Sweden that roots actually begin to communicate with each other through some different... Um, through some different fungi that live in the soil. And they actually, over time, can move things like phosphorus from one part of a forest to another. Really interesting stuff. We, God, God's nature that he has revealed around us, we haven't even begun to understand most of it yet. And we think we're so smart. But listen, those roots that go out, we can only do so much. But I can tell you one thing. I can guarantee you one thing that will be hard on roots. It's if you keep pulling the plant out of the ground. And lots of people do it. They get scared. So they pull back. Now listen, I'm going to say this with a lot of love to you this morning, and I'm probably going to say it again next week. Some of you would say, I have an issue with authority, so I kind of... I'm saying this in love, but I'm saying it to you by the Holy Spirit. Not only do you have an issue with authority, but the Spirit of God wants to point out to you that you have a sin issue with authority. I understand that we have all seen authority that is poor at best. Poorly used, not, doesn't feel like a blessing, doesn't feel like an enrichment in our lives. Sure, we've all been there. Some of you have been there far worse than I will ever know. But you cannot let your issue with authority become a sin issue with authority. Do you understand the difference? Very important. We're going to talk about it a little more next week, I think, before we're done. Just so you can understand my heart and know where I'm coming from in that. Uh, I love that in verse 8, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, because being planted in a church, being planted, being the planting of the Lord, fights the fear of fire. It protects from the fire. It it fights anxiety when it's a dry season. Come on. It, it says, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Now, I know some of you are true green thumbs, and you actually know that plants have feelings. This is my bone of contention with vegans everywhere, just so you know. It's, you know, oh, the poor adults. What about the poor plants? Don't you know, if you take two houseplants and put them to the test, you put them both in front of speakers and let the music do the rest. You get extra points if you can reference what I'm talking about. Come on. Right? And that book was called, Ha! You're going to burn. Anyways. I, I, okay, listen. Do you think God is literally saying, a tree planted by the water won't experience anxiety? No, he, he's not. Although it is probably scientifically true or even probable, what, what, if, oil, if oil represents anointing, you want to know what trees represent all through Scripture? Trees represent people. They do. They represent people. Often. People. Being planted fights anxiety in the dry season. And allows fruitfulness to stay intact when it gets hard. When the going gets tough, when the seasons get hard, you can still produce fruit. Why? Because you're planted and your roots are going down to the river of life. And I want you to know that in this verse, the word for planted is shauthal. And that was, that's a different word than matah. The word shauthal actually means very specifically transplanted. Transplanted. So 
Matah, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified, is an intentional planting as in a vineyard, as in an orchard or a garden. But this word, this word, shawthal, shawthal, means to be transplanted. What does that mean? That means started somewhere, but plucked up, brought over, and set back in the earth. You, I, I think you could also apply it to a grafting. Or you can cut a branch off, but you can graft it, and it will grow into another branch, which is what we have had happen in our spiritual lives. We are grafted into the body of Christ. Okay? Uh, let's go to Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates both day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf will not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Okay, if you needed biblical evidence for Pastor Travis saying, people are trees, here it is. Okay? Here, here's what I want you to pick up from Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Being planted. Maybe, maybe I, be, I, I just, I just should, should point this out. Psalm 1, 1, blessed is the person, nor stand, nor sit, but his delight will be in the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree planted. You have to understand that the being like a tree does not take away anything from any of the verses. Okay? It, it, it doesn't change anything. And so here's what I'm going to say. Being planted keeps you from the counsel of the wicked. It, it does. In the same way that a tree planted by water doesn't fear the fire, a tree that is planted by the Lord, a tree that is planted, a person who is planted in the local church, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Why? Because there's no room. There's no room. That's why. Nor stand in the path of sinners. Being planted keeps you from standing in the paths of the sinners. And I, I noticed this, that, that sinners stand in the path. They don't move. You ever notice that? They stand in the path. They don't move. Their life spiritually doesn't change. There's no growth. There's no life. There's no progress. There's actually digression and the reverse of evolution. And I mean, it, it's just, it is something that is so opposite of what God has planned. So they stand in the path of sinners, but when you're plugged in, you won't be standing there. You won't be on that path. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Isn't it interesting that sinners stand and scoffers sit? They don't move. They just sit there and they beat John all day long. What is a scoffer? What is a scoffer? A scoffer is someone who shows great disrespect, contemptuous ridicule, or mockery. There's a lot of scoffing going on in our world today. And I know I'm not happy with the government either. I know some of you aren't happy with the government. I think some of you love the government too much still. But that's actually neither here nor there. When we're planted, we don't scoff. We don't mock. We don't ridicule anybody with contempt. Because we're his tree 
planted by his water. We don't do those things. Being planted, though, causes you, on to the positive here. (laughs) Being planted causes you to delight in the law of the Lord. You see, and the laws of God do seem like a burden if you're not planted. That's no fun, all the rules. I don't like that. All I see is rules. See, when you're planted in the Lord, what you see is that his law brings life. And it brings liberty, it brings freedom to us. That's why we delight in the law of the Lord. And I want you to know that had, had King David not been planted in the Lord, if King David himself had not been a planting of the Lord, had been a tree of righteousness, a tree of God's working, something that God had done something with, had God had planted, he would not be able to delight in the law of the Lord because the delight in the law comes from the roots being where they need to be. I have yet to meet a person who is unsaved, who holds high levels of respect for all of God's laws. It's after we meet Jesus that all those laws start to make a lot of sense. I'm not going to repeat it, but I am concerned you didn't get it. You get the law of God to meditate on when you're planted. It is the mineral. It is the food in the root structure. Those are the laws and the words of God. You see, when you're planted then you get a steady diet of God's Word. And when you're planted in a local church, you get a steady diet of God's Word. Sometimes people ask me, can't we do a Bible study on this? Can't we, can't we do this? And I'm going like, what, what do you want to study? Well, the Bible. Well, here's a study for you. Take every verse that I give you every Sunday morning and see if in the next seven days you can study all of those out. Just saying. You can't. I promise you, you can't. It takes lifetimes to study the Word of God. And flipping around from one little Bible study to another, I'm not against Bible studies. I'm just saying, if you would feed where your roots are supposed to be planted according to the will of God, we'd all be on the same page a lot more often. You, I promise you. If you, if you feed on the word of God that comes from the front of this church, you will be far less offended by the pastor. Well, at least five people are coming back next Sunday, babe. <laughs> I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just, I, I, we're, this is a season of course correction for us as a church, Okay. COVID has taught us a lot of things. No, sorry. The Spirit of God has taught us a lot of things because we have to deal with COVID. And so this is a season of course correction and adjustment for Generations Church. Not that it was wildly off course. You don't see me cranking the steering wheel around, stomping the clutch and revving everything up. No. These are just little bumps of the steering wheel so that we avoid the potholes. And let me just say this because I love you and I'm smiling at you. If you feel particularly finger-pointed upon heavenly, uh, heavily in a Sunday, just consider it's not my finger. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit? Because, guys, I can't pay attention to all of you. I mean, I pay attention closely to Tyler. I know all his sins. I keep track every week, every single day, I keep track of his sins. No, of course I don't. I have no idea what's going on in Tyler's thought life unless I ask him. Guys, church leaders don't read your mind. We only know what we know by the Spirit of God, by the giftings of the Holy Spirit. 
And so we respond to those things, and I'm really sorry if it kind of blows your week up, but if you would just put your roots down, if you would just put your roots down deep and accept the structures of authority that God has put in the Word, that God has built into His church, that He has delegated to leaders and to you. We are all, all who believe in Christ, we are all people of authority. Listen to me. You will be far less offended if your roots are going to the place that God wanted them to go and you're not constantly trying to transplant yourself. <sighs> Yielding fruit in season, the leaf doesn't wither, and whatever you do, you prosper. Oftentimes, the prosperity doctrine thing, people, people forget. God does not care about the size of your airplane. He doesn't care about your pickup truck. He cares that your soul prospers. Soul prospers. If your finances prosper as well, yay, that's a great side benefit. But what is important is that your soul prospers. Hey, we're going to do it, guys. I'm just winding down. Awesome. People are so programmed by the world that they don't even think about real prosperity anymore. Oh, I'm into Bitcoin. Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin. Okay. I don't even know what Bitcoin is hardly. I would like to make money from Bitcoin, but I really don't know anything about Bitcoin. In fact, I don't have time to care about Bitcoin. I have to trust God because what I have been given charge to care of is his sheep, his people. And frankly, that's what I'm most concerned about. So some of you get rich off of Bitcoin. We'd appreciate a church building one day. <laughs> Everybody said amen to that. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, guys. It, it, prosperity is about your soul. It's not about your bank account. You know that. We already have everything the Bible says pertaining to life and godliness. In Jesus, in his spirit, that's what we have. So what's the danger of not being planted? I've shared the benefits with you. I've shared some warnings and some protections. But what is the danger of not being planted? And Matthew 15, 13 answers this very decisively. Jesus says, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. That should put the fear of God into every one of us. If I plant myself somewhere that God did not want me to be planted, he will, he will pull me up by the roots. Now listen, he may transplant me. But can you understand there's a place of death and resurrection in the life of every single person? And sometimes if we're really stubborn, I actually have learned the hard way that there are multiple deaths and resurrection to my flesh. And it might not be. See, see there are people who lose their ministries because... Because they plant themselves and the Lord has to pluck them up. They lose leadership. They lose influence. Because they're planting themselves. And God is saying, nope, that's not quite what I wanted for you. And so back to the pot you go. Boom, pound you in there. Put the fertilizer. Nobody likes being fertilized because you know what fertilizer is. In the Greek, it's tavro shitso. Tavro is the Greek word for bull. I don't want to get censored. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> Guys, you don't want Jesus to pluck you up, right? I don't want Jesus to take me up by the roots. 
We've been working on the church garden. A lot of things have been coming up by the roots. It's a violent experience for the plant. It's traumatizing. And it doesn't have to be that way if we allow ourselves to be planted precisely where God wants us. When I plant stuff over at our place, we run string lines. I bring out the measuring tape. It's the part of the perfectionist in me that I can actually allow to be tolerated. So the measuring tape comes out. The lines are straight. It's square to the road. I know it doesn't matter to you, but it matters a lot to me. It drives me nuts that my house is not square to the road or to the shop or to the barn. What kind of a maniac did they let loose when they built that place? <laughs> Jesus, help me to heal from that perfectionism. I don't think I need to say a whole lot more. Jesus, just so you know, in this verse, was dealing with religious thinkers when he said this. People who thought that they were pleasing God by interpreting the law the way they were, but they really weren't even close to his heart. They had the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable of the rhythm of God's heart. If he didn't plant you, he'll uproot you. And so the willful, sur the willful surrender of your heart will likely determine how he transplant you, transplants you and if he's transplanting you. Guys, don't need to be transplanted in a way that makes it so you have to die to something. Put your roots down where he wants. Let's wrap this up with one last image from the Bible, from the book of Revelation. Revelation 22, 1 and 2, and he showed me the river of water, uh, the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, let me be clear the church is not the tree of life, Jesus is. But the church is the body of Christ. And therefore, we are grafted into the tree of life. It's a part of it, as Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the root of the tree of life. Maybe we're a part of the trunk. Maybe we're a part of a branch. Maybe we're just one little twig sticking out on the end, waiting to grow our first apple. It doesn't really matter. That's how we're a part of it. When Jesus came, we were given full access to be plugged into him because he is the tree and we are the branches. Jesus said that. Do you remember? I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from being planted in the tree of life, you can do nothing. Apart from being planted where God wants you, you're not going to do anything in the kingdom of God. At best, you're going to do something for the kingdom of the world. At best. But even then, that's not going to be lasting. That won't have eternal value. It won't have eternal merit. You see, Jesus is the root, and we are the offspring of the root. You and I are to be the planting of the Lord, grafted into that tree, drawing life and producing fruit from it. And so, therefore, we need to stop struggling against where God has placed us, and we should be content in where he has planted us. Not needing to YouTube 15 other church services a week when we're not even bothering to check if the pastor was preaching something that was actually in the Bible in our own church. I'm giving you permission to shoot holes in every message that comes out of this church. I can take it. I would love to have more biblical conversations about what Generations Church is doing, not about what Doug Wilson is doing or Robert Morris is doing. Do you get it? We have a vision, we have a calling, we have a purpose, we have a plan. God has spoken to us. This church is a church plant. And we still wouldn't be here today if we weren't a planting of the Lord. 16 years later, there's fruit. You're the fruit. Your children are the fruit, the spiritual offspring. 
We've got to be content where he has planted us. Because there is so much to do. There is so much to learn. And why should you pull away if he's wanting to root you in deeper? Don't pull away. I don't want to be covered up with dirt. He just wants to cover the bottom of you with dirt. Don't worry. He's not going to cover your head. I think we worry, we're worried about those things. We, we worry that somehow the promises of God aren't going to be as good as he said they are. But I want to tell you today by the Spirit of God that his promises are true. That every promise that he has made to you and I will come to pass in its fullness for his glory. He's not going to miss one dot. He's not going to miss one punctuation mark on the prophetic revelation that is over your life. You just need to walk in it. You need to move it. You need to trust somebody. You need to, it's okay if you have an issue with authority, but don't have a sin issue with authority. Don't let it become sin. The book of Romans says, be zealous, but also keep all that mess tied up under Jesus. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Be zealous, be crazy zealous, that's all good, but you you got to keep that all, you know, up in Jesus. He's the place. This is the church. This is the planting of the Lord. And whether you believe it or not this morning, watching online, watching from wherever you are, sitting here in this room, God wants to plant you. He wants your roots to go down deep. Our image, I love it. That's a taproot, that big, long root going way down into the ground. God wants to taproot you in. God wants to taproot you in. That way, you draw down deep. And, you know, you can come along with a lawnmower and knock the top off of a plant that has a taproot. And you know what it does in three days? Or two days or sometimes in one afternoon. comes right back up. So dandelions are taproot plants. You can't kill them with mowers. Guys, that's what Jesus wants us to be. Rooted deeply. Rooted widely. Because there's so much fruit he wants to produce in your life and in my life. Somebody say amen, please. Come on, let's stand. Let's pray. We're going to sing one last song like we always do because I think there's a moment this morning where I want, I want to invite you to do the business you need to do with God. And you know, this church is horrible at responding. I, I, I'm sorry. I, the whole, here's the whole thing. There's a new capacity for my life. There's, there, there's something else that God has led me into. We're walking into it. It's really fun. It's really exciting. So, so now I'm, I'm a, I, I still love you, and I'm still going to be kind to you. But it's like the Lord said, you need to start, you need to start being more fatherly. He didn't say it in those exact words. This church is horrible at responding. In that, we like to take our time and we like to think on things. And sometimes three or four weeks later, oh, hey, Pastor Trav, that was a really good message. And, you know, the Lord really did something in my life. I don't want to wait three weeks for God to do something in your life. I am impatient for the things of God. And you should be impatient for the things of God. Right? You're content, but you're always going to be contending. Be like me. Yes, I'm content, but I'm contending for more in your life. I'm contending more for our church. I'm contending for more in my own life. So as we pray this morning, sincerely ask the Holy Spirit to put his finger on whatever he needs to in your life and then deal with it here and now. Don't let, don't let another day go by without the fertilizer hitting your roots and letting you go to the next place, the next level Jesus wants to take you.
Let's pray. Jesus, in this moment, once again, we say, what do you want to say to us? Lord, we've heard your word this morning. We've heard from your word. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we need to know right now what it is you would put your finger on. Test us. Reprove us, God. Show us your heart for what you want to do with our future. And Holy Spirit, I pray for those right now in this room, online, who are watching and feel a trepidation in allowing themselves to go deeper. Well, we come against that today in the blood and in the name of Jesus. And we remind each soul that you have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love, one of a sound mind. Therefore, it is a good thing to put your trust in what Jesus is saying right now. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.